0: How's it going, comrades? How's everybody doing today? Uh, This is your first time tuning in. Welcome to In Defense of Liberation, the show that educates about and is working towards a true people's liberation movement and uh, hopefully, one day, a uh, true proletarian revolution. Um, But until we get there, you know uh, I am your host, Josh, Uh, and today we're, we're going to talk to you about some, some police abolition. We're going to talk to you about why we are in support of police abolition, um, and not police reform and just some more, you know, nuanced conversation involved in, uh, that topic. Uh, if this is your first time tuning in, uh... This might be, you know, a good episode to start with because, in all honesty, one of the most difficult conversations that is being had right now across this country and across the world is not only just this discussion of police, but this general discussion of power. Who's got it? Who doesn't? Who's looking for more? Why do they have power? What do they have power for? You know, a lot of a lot of conversation is being had on these topics, and for good reason, because as it stands right now, we are living through times where it is clearly evident that the people who are in power across the board are not in power for the sake of the benefit of those they are in charge of. They are in power for the sake of being in power. Um... And it's hard to expect anything else. Um, In the system that we have today, um, which if you want to call it something, you call it capitalist, because everything that is uh, uh, encompassed under capitalism is able to be understood by seeing capitalism as its base. All the problems that we're facing today if we look to their core, if we understand their economic incentive, um, we can find capitalism at the core root of most of the oppressive and exploitative situations that not only do we find ourselves here in America in, but those all across the world, especially in the global south, in Latin America, in Africa, in Asia, are suffering. Uh, It's a reality that is undeniable And it's a reality that needs to be reckoned with. So I think police is a good place to start because it also gives us the opportunity to discuss the state. uh, Which I've done on a previous episode, but I always feel like it's a good conversation to have. And I am someone who is actively learning as we are talking. I am actively, uh, shall we say, radicalizing. I am actively forming my political understandings and perspectives as I, you know, bring this show to you. So, you know, sometimes I might have had a conversation already, but now I understand it a bit differently, or maybe there's a point that I want to cover. So we're going to talk about the state, we're going to talk about police, and we're going to talk about oppression today. Uh, so, all of these ideas, the police, the state, and oppression, require some kind of definition or some kind of introductory um, conversation in order to really understand them as a whole. And I think that because, um, as we know, as folks who believe and, and, and use dialectics as folks who are materialists and marxists it is important and it is crucial to not only know things and problems exist but to also understand their history to understand their place of origin and to understand their kind of all-encompassing characteristics because this is the only way that we can defeat and and oppose these problems so talking about oppression, talking about the state, we got to drop it back to a conversation of class society. And class society is one of the biggest conversations, one of the biggest discussions that you can have as a communist. Like, it's a history lesson. It's a history class in and of itself. Um, But I'm playing words there. That was stupid. But um, it, it would take... More than just twenty minutes, even, and I'm not even going to give you that. I'm probably going to give you three. But class society is structured um, in a way where one group of people within a given society, within a given community, within a given area, is placed above another group of people. That that looks differently all throughout history. You know, we had we had one time where we had colonizers. Uh, and conquistadors, as they're called, come in. And although that was not necessarily outright a a class society, what they did—the colonialization and and the subsequent—I uh, uh, don't even know the word to use—but the domination by the incoming uh, colonists and. Uh, colonizers Uh, the power that was in their hands and was wielded over the indigenous peoples of not only this land but Latin America in Asia and in Africa the same is true Um, they go into these societies and they place themselves, the colonizers that is, above the colonized and they create a system wherein the colonizers are those with the power, and the colonized are powerless. This, of course, historically develops into different forms of um, servitude, different forms of slavery, wherein the master, of course, is the dominant class over the slave or the servant, or what have you. You have lords and serfs. You have kings and queens and their subjects. You have all different forms throughout history of class society. And if we're Marxists, then there are those who would push back against that definition of class society. Because according to revolutionary socialism, class society does not develop uh, specifically until there is a, a working class and a ruling class. Or I might be getting that wrong. Who knows? Again, still learning over here. But class society, to me, and and this idea of oppression generally needs to be discussed in the broad, maybe more abstract and less concrete terminology before we can get to the concrete. And so we have to understand that even you know, since the, the end of what we might call early communal societies, there has been this oppression of one group of people over another within society. We would call it class society when a ruling class and a proletariat, a, a organized and educated working class develops, but there is still no absence of class even before that is consciously recognized. There is still that distinction, there is still that separation between who has the power and who does not. Uh, and that is the general basis of what it is that we are trying to eradicate from this world. We are trying to get rid of class society. We are trying to get rid of oppression generally because there is not a single person who, unless, you know, living within given circumstances is better or more powerful or more superior to another. The only thing that makes that so is the given circumstances the relations and the social status that they have person to person, that does not make a person lesser or better, because you take the context with which that exists, you know, you remove capitalism, and if we live in a society where money isn't the main, the main goal, money is not the main driving force, that doesn't look the same. So this oppression has taken many different forms and it has developed into what we now know as class society, which is the fact that there is a ruling class who is in charge of writing the laws, who is in charge of governing over the society, who is in charge of mandating certain legislation, and who is in charge of also reaping the benefits of that society. Under capitalism... The economic system that, oh geez, I keep bringing myself into larger conversations than I want to have, but capitalism at its root is the basis, is the idea that the goal is to take money and to turn it into more money. Um, And the basis by which this is done is the ownership of the means of production, uh, private property. Someone can own a factory and watch as hundreds of workers work in that factory, and yet none of them walk away with a living wage. None of those workers walk away, not only satisfied in their own lives, but satisfied by providing themselves the necessary means of subsistence that human beings have. And someone, the owner, can reap the majority of the benefits, the majority of the income, the majority of the profits while also actively doing absolutely nothing. Um, this is true whether it's a factory owner, whether it is a shipping company, whether it's a car manufacturer the, the a, a, or a government. The objective and, and the, the main foundation, the objective characteristic that makes this society this way is the fact that those who can make a profit can survive and those who can't, don't. Because everything that we need, whether it's food, whether it's housing, whether it's clothes, whether it's transportation, whether it is medical care, it costs money. And if you don't have money in a society where the main incentive the main driving force is profit. You're fucked. And we see that not only in America, but across the world. So, class society, oppression, and capitalism. These things are as equally separate as they are similar. As they are the same. And what I mean is... is It's pretty easy to understand when you get someone to put it in the right terms, but the general idea of oppression, the general idea that one group of people or one person can be above another based off of some kind of characteristic, it developed into what we now know as class society. As history progressed and different modes of production, different uh, uh, working conditions, different historical events occurred and so that oppression because of who remained in power and who didn't developed into what we now know as class society and that class society which at one point you know we might say it was a feudal society which means you had your lords and your serfs you had your guilds you had You're dominating classes within society and you had the rest of people without any power, without any ability to help themselves. Past this, you have absolutism, the rule of absolute kings and queens. You see the power concentrated into the hands of the few as we now see capital concentrating into the hands of the few. The power and the the foundation is the same. It's, it's the concentration of control. So you had kings and queens and then you had their subjects who even more than at feudal times were quote unquote in desperate need of change. Because it was so much more acutely true that there was one group in control and the rest weren't. Whereas during feudal, you had your lord, or during feudalism, you had your lords, you had your guilds, you had your small manufacturers, you had your different forms of control. But when absolutism hit, when kings and queens became the thing, that was a concentration of power. So now you have less folks in power, it is more keenly uh, uh, obvious that something needs to change. And so you have way in the end of the 1700s, the early 1800s, you have massive revolutions taking place all throughout the world where people, the general public in in some cases, usually led by the small artisans or the middle class as they were commonly referred to as. um, And those folks were seeking a different form of rule. But this form of rule was not any different than before in that it was still the rule of the few over the many. The difference was just the face, the form of rule. But the essence was still the same. And so again, we see class society, we see feudalism develop into absolutism, and we see absolutism develop into republicanism into liberalism, and into uh, what we now know as democracy, um, or democratic republicanism. And from this point, you really see the dawning of capitalism. This is really when the middle class is put into positions of power, not only economically, but in society, politically, and is therefore able to push their rule over the many further and further forward. Capitalism is a system which is, you know, honestly, one of the easiest to recognize the differentiation between the powerful and the powerless because there's dead dead people in the roads. Let's take a gander as to which part of the society they live in. And so we've talked about all of this. It's very very easy to understand that there is a separation between the powerful and the powerless in society. If you live today, you are aware which member of society you are a part of. You are aware of the problems facing you as a person, but also you as a member of a certain class, which is without political, social, or economic control, or shall we say power within our given society. That makes people mad. And as we saw during the late 1700s, early 1800s, people will get mad enough to go to the uh, extents of a revolution. They will revolutionize the society they live in in order to create something different. Well, the people who are in power, they don't want that because then they're not going to be in power. So if you're to look all throughout history, all throughout the history of what we know as class society, you have the existence of what we might call the state. And the state, according to Engels, according to Lenin, according to Marx, and many other revolutionaries since, is, and I'm paraphrasing here... But it is the apparatus of violent oppression by one class over another. It is the avenue, the apparatus, the instrument, the tool, the governing system that is used to keep those with power in power and to keep those without power from getting it. That is what the state is. So the state can take many forms. The state can be considered our laws. That can be an expression of the state. The state can be our government. That that is the most common understanding and the physical expression of the state. But the state also exists in what we call special armed bodies or special armed guards of the state. Those are your police, your National Guards, and your military. And the reason why we call them the Special Armed Guards of the state is because the law and order that they are upholding and the subsequent punishments and and lack of consequences that are then suffered by those special armed bodies of the state are 100% in line with what it is that our government consistently requires. It is what our government consistently passes laws for. It is what we keep passing legislation for. And what these police officers, this military, and our National Guard keep doing to oppressed and exploited people all over the country, and all over the world, is exactly what our state, our government, does to those very same people through legislation, through lack of legislation, and through, in all honesty, even existing. Because again, We understand that there is a group of people who has power and the majority of us who do not. The fact that those people who have always been in power, who have continuously uh, uh, reformed, uh, consistently reorganized our government, our laws, our societal structure to maintain their supremacy and to maintain their control over society should tell us that these are not the people who should be in charge. They have, for at least in this country, for the last 250 years, done absolutely nothing for the majority of people alive at any given point in time. They have existed for the sole purpose of continuing their rule and maintaining their enriching practices. That is it. And the state, whether it's our laws, whether it's our governing bodies, whether it is our police and our military, exist for the same purpose. So when police officers kill people like George Floyd, Adam Toledo, uh, Micaiah Bryant, um, it, it is not because a mistake was made. It is not because a specific or individual police officer is an animal. It is because the society we live in, not only convinces us that some people are lesser than others for any purpose whatsoever that is not true but it also tells us that there is a group of people who is perfectly capable is 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 in charge and should be and we are to allow them to continue killing us in the streets because they are in power and what are we going to do about it Oh, nothing, because they've always been in power, and they'll always be in power. Well, that's not true, because power has looking looks different throughout all periods of time. It has taken different forms. At its core, it has not changed, but that is because we have not been the ones to change it. So before I let you go, because I'm about to pull into work, the last thing I want to say is this. The reason why nothing changes is because the people are not the ones in charge of changing it. How do you expect someone who is doing the exploitation, who is doing the oppression, who is doing the domination to stop? A great uh, analogy is this is someone steps on your foot, right? They don't feel any pain. They don't, unless they're empathetic, they, they might not even notice. They might not even care. And so, what we're doing when we ask the state to pass laws to do uh, police reform, we're asking someone who does not feel our pain, who benefits from our pain, to take their foot off of ours. Or, to keep it a little bit more on the tip of our nose, to take their knee off of Our neck. The people today are made powerless by a state that wants to remain in power. Our only objective, our only succeeding goal can be erasing the system, the state, and the organized society that would allow things like this to continue happening. That would allow the oppression of one group over the other. If you're still listening, I appreciate it. I love you. Solidarity to you. I hope everybody's staying well and staying safe during these times. Um, And I hope that, you know, you enjoyed the show. If you do, go ahead and hit me up on my social media, In Defense of Liberation, on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want to reach out to me for any other reason, you can find me at indefenseofliberation at gmail.com. No caps, no spaces there. And you can also um, find me at forliberation.wixsite.com forward slash website. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show and I hope to see you soon. Um, Everybody have a safe day and a safe safe rest of your weekend. Um, Fuck Derek Chauvin. Fuck the police system. Fuck white supremacy. Fuck America. Fuck oppression and fuck anyone who wants to say anything different and wants to fight for anything that would uphold this system that we live in today. Power to the people, to liberation. Until next time, folks.